Hello everyone and welcome to the Unanswered Questions True Crime Podcast. I have spent hours and hours investigating this. He basically told her that people have been killed. Journalists, independent investigators, people like that disappeared. It frightened her to the bone. There's more to the story than meets the eye. There were rumors of torture and homicide and sexual abuse, all sorts of egregious, horrendous crimes. He was polygraphed three times. Each of those three showed evasions. His resumes were a skeleton of truth. He was mad at the world, and particularly mad at the government. The study that he commissioned that described a fictional terrorist attack. If people have died over this, it means you're getting close to the truth. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to say, what the fuck? Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of my new podcast, Unanswered Questions, where every week we will endeavour to discuss a mysterious unsolved case that has many lingering unanswered questions. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, leave me some feedback on what you think about the show, and rate it as well. Now on to the show. This week we'll be talking about the Hobby Lobby smuggling scandal. Now, the Hobby Lobby smuggling scandal started in 2009 when representatives of the Hobby Lobby chain of craft stores received a large number of clay, boule, and tablets originating in the ancient Near East. The artifacts were intended for the Museum of the Bible, funded by the evil anger called Christian Green Family, which owns the Oklahoma-based chain. Internal staff had warned superiors that the items had dubious provenance and were potentially looted from Iraq. Several shipments of the artifacts were seized by the U.S. custom agents in 2011, triggering a struggle between Hobby Lobby and the federal government that culminated in a 2017 civil forfeiture case, United States of America versus approximately 450 ancient cruniform tablets and approximately 3,000 ancient clay boule. As a result of the case, Hobby Lobby agreed to return the artifacts and pay a fine of U.S. $3 million. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement returned 3,800 items seized from Hobby Lobby to Iraq in May of 2018. In March of 2020, the Hobby Lobby president agreed to return 11,500 items to Egypt and Iraq. Now we get into the beginnings of this story. Hobby Lobby began assembling its collection of artifacts in 2009, and over the years, the family amassed some 40,000 pieces. In mid-July of 2010, Green himself traveled to the UAE to inspect thousands of ancient objects for a potential sale. Several dealers from the UAE and Israel attended the viewing in which cuneiform tablets, clay objects inscribed with the writing system of ancient, and I'm going to butcher this, Mesopotamia, which includes modern-day Iraq, were spread on the floor arranged in layers on a coffee table and packed loosely in cardboard boxes, in many instances with little or no protective material between them, the stipulation of the settlement said. Around December 8, Hobby Lobby purchased the Iraqi artifacts for $1.6 million wired to seven different bank accounts registered to five different people. The scale of personal and institutional collecting efforts drew the attention of those in the antiquities field. Even before reports emerged two years ago that Green was under investigation, some questioned the legality of the purchases given the paucity of illegitimate sources offering such artifacts at market. Now we come to the purchase and provenance. In December 2010, Hobby Lobby purchased $1.6 million worth of Iraqi artifacts from dealers in the United Arab Emirates. The artifacts were largely cuneiform tablets, clay bullier, and cylinder seals, with some likely originating from the ancient city of, and I'm going to butcher these names, Urus Grig on the Tigris. 
many of the artifacts lacked any supporting evidence of their history or ownership, raising the possibility that the artifacts had possibly been looted or sold on the black market. The US government investigated the company for these actions. Archaeologists say some items may have come from the National Museum of Iraq, which had been looted after the American invasion of Iraq in 2003. The world's first civilizations sprung up between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers in what is now Iraq. Objects from archaeological sites in the south have been prone to wide-scale smuggling since the 1990s, particularly due to southern Iraq's porous border with Kuwait, according to archaeologists who specialize in Iraq. Looting intensified in the security vacuum after the 2003 invasion of Iraq, apart from the loss of the artifacts themselves, crucial information placing them in the context of where they came from is also lost when undocumented objects are removed from their original sites. Hobby Lobby made mass purchases with few pieces of vague documentation and scant descriptions and having commissioned inexperienced scholars to analyse ancient texts, according to Bible scholars in the book Bible Nation. The museum's chief curator in 2017 summarised, quote, We can't even tell sometimes which particular item belonged to which acquisition because it just wasn't documented either at the acquisition point or at the delivery point, so we have no way of knowing where these came from. End quote. Through the 2000s, the entire antiquities market, especially Hobby Lobby staff, had been widely and publicly warned of the proliferation of fakes, all manufactured with the same cheap flaws that are obvious to expert analysts. Further, the scholar community disparaged the museum's entire mission, including the statement from Jody Magnus, president of the Archaeological Institute of America, quote, If archaeology is being used as a means of proving the historiatry and accuracy of the biblical text, that is extremely problematic. End quote. She generally warned, quote, Many unprovenanced antiquities surely come from illegal excavations or looting of archaeological sites. End quote. Before the sale, an expert hired by Hobby Lobby raised stark concerns about the purchases of works from Iraq, writing in a memo to the company that the acquisition of cultural property from Iraq carries a risk that sub-objects may have been looted from archaeological sites in Iraq, end quote. According to the settlement document, the trade of looted property or property presumably suspected of being looted after 1990 is forbidden by both Iraqi and US law. The expert also advised Hobby Lobby to research the rest of its collection and ensure that the correct country of origin was reported at the time of import. Quote, Often with cases, companies or collectors will say, I had no idea there was an issue, end quote, said Leela A. Amidole, sorry if I get that name wrong, an art lawyer who consulted for the government on its investigation. Quote, In this case, there is some proof that at least some people in company did know what was going on because they did speak to an expert, end quote. Despite the red flags, the transaction continued. Furthermore, an employee at Hobby Lobby tasked with handling the artifacts purchased for the collection identified in the stipulation of settlement as the curator contacted the company's international department and Green's executive assistant to determine how the works should be imported. The international department advised contacting a customs broker who in turn reported that the artifacts could be held by customs. The curator and executive assistant agreed on their own to bypass the international department and customs broker and have the vendor handle the shipping arrangements the settlement reads. 
beginning in November 2010. The artifacts were shipped to Hobby Lobby by a UAE-based dealer and by another dealer based in Israel. In addition to being inaccurately labeled, the packages were shipped to several different addresses, a practice consistent with methods used by cultural property smugglers to avoid scrutiny by customs, the complaint asserts. Now we come to the importation, seizure and the litigation that followed. In early January of 2011, United States Customs and Border Patrol agents in Memphis, Tennessee intercepted a FedEx package from the United Arab Emirates bound for the President or Executive Assistant of Hobby Lobby, an arts and crafts supply chain headquartered in Oklahoma, labelled handmade clay tiles sample and purported to have been manufactured in Turkey. The contents were valued by the shipper at a mere $250, far below the $2,000 threshold required for clearance with customs. In agents found roughly 50 ancient cuneiform tablets smuggled out of Iraq purchased by Hobby Lobby for around $14,000. Over the course of several days, custom agents detained four more packages filled with ancient artifacts, all accompanied by false customs information and en route to multiple addresses affiliated with Hobby Lobby. Their collective declared value was $1,435, less than 1% of the $146,649 Hobby Lobby paid, according to invoices that accompanied the purchases, and these were just the packages customs agents detained as several more made it to Hobby Lobby addresses. In early July 2017, U.S. federal prosecutors filed a civil complaint in the Eastern District of New York under the case name, and I quote, United States of America versus approximately 4,450 ancient cuneiform tablets and approximately 3,000 ancient clay bullier. On July 5th of 2017, Hobby Lobby consented to a settlement requiring forfeiture of the artifacts and a payment of a fine of $3 million and the return of more than 5,500 artifacts. Now, under the terms of the settlement, Hobby Lobby will pay $3 million, a $3 million fine and forfeit more than 5,500 illicit objects, mainly cuneiform tablets and clay seals, purchased from unidentified agents for $1.6 million at Green's behest. The government will list the pieces of forfeiture.gov for the rightful owners to claim within 60 days, after which the Iraqi government can submit its own claims. Additionally, Hobby Lobby will have to submit reports on its acquisitions for the next 18 months work with customs brokers, and abide by industry guidelines governing the purchase of such works, while tightening its own internal review processes. In the early hours of July 30th of 2017, Israeli authorities raided several private residences and storefronts in Jerusalem belonging to five antiquities dealers of Palestinian origin and confiscated several historical artifacts including a papyrus fragment from the Egyptian Book of the Dead and a Pompeian fresco and more than US $200,000 in cash. The Israeli Antiquities Authority had been contacted in 2016 by the United States Department of Homeland Security and provided Israeli authorities with evidence of money transfers between Green and Israeli licensed antiquity dealers. In all, five individuals were arrested for tax evasion. Biblical scholars in the book Bible Nation, the United States of Hobby Lobby, report that the Green family's philanthropic activities, including antiquities donations to its own museum, have always followed a set ratio of 3 to 1 of the appraised value to the purchase price. This is reportedly with the goal of a large profit margin by way of a tax write-off, wherein the government is effectively paying the Greens to amass a collection of dubious antiquities, end quote.
Now we get into the retrospective. The 2019 book Tablets from the Uras Grig Archive mentions the scandal in its analysis of more than 1,000 cuneiform tablets possibly stolen from Uras Grig, a 4,000-year-old city lost in Iraq. The tablets, purchased by Hobby Lobby, were studied over a four-year period while in the company's Oklahoma storerooms. Quote, The new find shows that the company Hobby Lobby, whose co-owner Steve Green helped found the Museum of the Bible in November 2017 in Washington, D.C., had far more cuneiform tablets obtained, possibly illegally from the city, and other sites in Iraq than previously believed. End quote. Up to 1,400 artifacts to be returned to Iraq appear to be missing from the Hobby Lobby collection. Now we get into the collection's management controversy. First, we'll start off with counterfeit items. In October 2018, the Museum of the Bible revealed that five of its 16 Dead Sea Scrolls fragments are counterfeit, and in March of 2020, independent art fraud investigators hired by the museum revealed that all 16 fragments are counterfeit made from ancient leather and modern inks. The museum also removed the display of another disputed artifact, the miniature Bible, which a NASA astronaut had purportedly carried to the moon. Now we get into the stolen items. In October 2019, officials from the British Egypt Exploration Society, a non-profit organisation that manages the Papri Project, alleged that Oxford academic Dirk Obnick engaged in the theft and sale of at least 11 ancient Bible fragments to the Green family, the Hobby Lobby owners who operate a Bible museum and charitable organisation in Washington. The museum said it will return the fragments to the Egyptian Exploration Society and Oxford University. In March of 2020, National Geographic reported that the museum was re-evaluating the provenance of all the material in its collection with the intent of returning stolen objects. Steve Green, the museum's board chairman and the president of Hobby Lobby, announced the museum will be returning 11,500 artifacts to Egypt and Iraq, including thousands of papyrus scraps and ancient clay pieces. Green admitted, quote, I knew a little about the world of collecting. The criticism of the museum resulting from my mistakes was justified. End quote. Manchester University papyrologist Roberta Marza stated that the Green family poured millions on the legal and an illegal antiquities market without having a clue about the history, the marital features, cultural value, fragilities, and problems of the objects. End quote. This return includes the, and I'm going to butcher this name, Gilgamesh Dream Tablet containing part of the Epic of Gilgamesh, discovered in Iraq in 1853, sold by the Jordanian Antiquities Association to an antiquities dealer in 2003, and sold again by Christie's Auction House to Hobby Lobby in 2014 for $1.6 million. The auction house lied about how the artifact had entered the market, claiming it had been on the market in the United States for decades. In September 2019, federal authorities seized the tablet, and in May of 2020, a civil complaint was filed to forfeit it. In January of 2021, 8,000 clay objects were transferred to the Iraqi Museum, and Steve Green announced, quote, We transferred control of the fine art storage facility that housed the 5,000 Egyptian items to the U.S. government as part of a voluntary administrative process. We understand the U.S. government has now delivered the papyri to Egyptian officials. End quote. In July of 2021, the United States Department of Justice announced that it seized the Gilgamesh tablet from Hobby Lobby to repatriation to Iraq. Acting U.S. Attorney Jacqueline M. Cass-Lewis for the Eastern District of New York stated, quote, This office is committed to combating the black market sale of cultural property and the smuggling of looted artifacts. End quote. Hobby Lobby failed to follow expert advice on antiquities collecting, which has resulted in multiple seizures and fines. In August of 2021, Iraq reclaimed 17,000 looted artifacts previously held by the Museum of the Bible. 
With that, this case remains open, but with many unanswered questions, it still remain unanswered. Please rate this show and let me know what you guys think about this and the many other cases I've covered. You can follow me on all major social media platforms, YouTube, BitChute, Dailymotion. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, links are all down below in the description. If you have a case you'd like me to have a look at or cover, don't hesitate to send me a message. I'm your host, and this has been the Unanswered Questions Podcast. Until next time, next on Unanswered Questions. Richard John Charles Tomlinson, who was born 13th of January 1963. He is a former officer of the British Secret Intelligence Service, MI6, made famous in the James Bond films by Ian Fleming. He argued that he was subject to unfair dismissal from MI6 in 1995 and attempted to take his former employer to a tribunal. MI6 refused, arguing that to do so would breach state security. 